This is part two of the immeasurable love of God. The immeasurable love of God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, please. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church. By Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. We thank you, Lord, that in your faithfulness you have come again to meet with your people. You've come to bless us, to instruct us, even to convict us, Father, or convince us, compel us. Lord, whatever way you see fit this morning, have thine own way through your word. We know, Lord, you're always here to do good unto those whom you love. So bless everyone that's here and every family represented. Bless all who will hear this message. And encourage them in the faith. And may they fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. Because you first loved us. Thank you for your love. Your grace and your mercy. Now lead us on in thy word. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. The immeasurable Love of God. Paul says, given us four dimensions. In verse 18, you may be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth? There's the first. And length, the second. And depth, the third. And height, that is the fourth. Now, we looked at it in more detail last week. We won't look at at it in so much this week. But really, the breadth. From as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Neither, ne- neither the twain shall meet again. Christ died on the cross. Our sins were paid for in full. Every single sin was paid for in full. So the, if you want the, the breadth, the length is everlasting. How long does he love us for? For eternity. He loved us in eternity. He loved us before Adam was on the earth and before Adam fell and died in the garden. Before Adam lost fellowship and relationship with God. In Christ, God gave us to him. In eternity, he loved you. And right through Adam, right through all the history of the Bible, right the whole way through to the cross, 
where Jesus bled and died, he manifests his love in time, that which is with him in eternity. And now from the cross onward through the Spirit, we can see according to his word that he loves us right to eternity again and throughout eternity because he is eternal. See, God is love. Love is an attribute of God. Of God and it, in other words, it is attributed to God. It's God's nature, if I can call it that. It's who he is. Love is who he is. Now, love is not all that God is, but love is who he is. And we must be careful and understand that, that although he loves, yet he chastises. And although he loves us with an everlasting love, yet he will always bring his people to task. For example, in Revelation 3 and 19, Jesus writes and says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Peter tells us also that when we are corrected or chastened of the Lord, that it's because that we are legitimate children. He doesn't chastise those who are not his. But because we are legitimately his, then he will chastise us. I ask you a question, parent. See that child that you love dearly with all your heart? Do you still love them when you chastise them? I love mine all the time when I chastise them even. The love doesn't change, but the chastisement is because of love. Chastisement is because of love. Notice the length of it is everlasting. The Lord says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. We looked at that last week in Jeremiah 31 and 3. That's the length of it. Uh, the breadth of it was glory to the grave. The God who is in glory, God who is eternal, God who is holy, God who is love, came not only to the earth, to the cross, but to the grave and tasted death for us. What depth will he go to from glory to the grave? Second Corinthians 8 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich, yet for your sakes, our sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. He went right to the grave for us to carry our sin away from us, burying it in his own body. That depth that none other can stoop to and go down to. And what height is his love? How high does he love us? Some children would say to their mommy or their daddy, I love you to the moon and back. Isn't that fantastic? It's lovely to hear that. Jesus loves you to bring those who were enemies of God and die for them, not only to go to the depths, but to rise again, that he may bring many sons to glory. The height of his love for his own. So we have looked at this, how it's like a four-dimensional love, the, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Then we have to understand then when we look at verse 18 that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What does he mean to comprehend with all the saints? Brothers and sisters from the old covenant and those who are brought into Christ, the old prophets and 
those of Israel who are brought in with him. All of those who will one day, as it were, stand before him with you and with me. God doesn't want one of you to leave this morning thinking he loves him and he loves her, but not me. With all the saints, a saint isn't someone who's had who's attained sainthood. A saint is a sinner saved by grace. God wants every one of us sinners saved by the grace of God, that matchless grace drawn by the irresistible grace of God. He wants you this morning to leave knowing, in spite of how you think and how you feel, he wants you to leave knowing that you are saved by grace and he loves you. He has loved you from eternity and he came for you, he rose for you, and he is bringing you into eternity with him. Now that's love. He'll never give up on you. When God sets his love on a man and a woman, he never gives up on them. Look what it says here in verse 19. He wants us to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. To be intimate with that love, it means. To fellowship in the love of Christ. To know in your heart exactly what he's done for you. Now, we could never know that, but to the best of our abilities according to the Spirit and the Word. To keep it in mind, to keep it in our memories, to keep it before us of what he has done for us, that, uh, that we may know the love of Christ, listen, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled. God wants you now to be filled with what? All the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. How do we be filled? How do we know that which passeth knowledge? How do we understand all of these things since we're just flesh? I was driving my car to church this morning. I was just talking to the Lord in the car on the way round, and I said, Lord, I hate my flesh. I know I need it to live in, and I like it to be as healthy as it can. But I hate the, the carnal can. I hate him. Help your glory to shine through more, Lord. Help me to be more in tune to know who you are more. Lord, will you come and, and you overwhelm me and fill me with your spirit that when I read your word, all I can see is you. You see, we may know the love of Christ, but it passes our knowledge, so it takes the Spirit, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And how does that happen? Verse 20, now unto him. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Now we pray that about God when we're praying for the sick. But God's saying it's, it's unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could even ask or think. Above all, you can even understand that all passes your knowledge according to the power. What's the power? The power is the Holy Spirit who lives in us, works in you. Ask God, show me, like Moses, 
Show me your glory. Just show me Jesus. When I read the words, show me Christ. When I'm singing the songs of Zion, show me Christ. Father, show me through your spirit and your word. Show me Jesus. Reveal him to me. Notice, here we have the apostle saying that God's love that we should comprehend it, comprehending the incomprehensible. If you're a child of God this morning, if you're a blood-washed, blood-bought, and spirit-filled child of God, Christ is residing in your heart by the Holy Spirit, residing in your life and your walking according. Ask him. Show me more. Give me more. Paul isn't speaking of a one-time bless me club. He isn't speaking of a one-time Pentecostal outburst. He isn't speaking of a one-time let's come to a church and let's sing and and have a, a knees up and a hooli, kick off our shoes and go mad time, and that's Holy Ghost. No. He's speaking of the reality of the power of the Spirit to show you Jesus. Show you Christ. People get Pentecost mixed up with charisma or charismatic. People get Pentecost mixed up with entertainment. Pentecost, being a Pentecostal, is about being in tune with the Holy Ghost. It's about knowing Christ more, being in tune with his spirit. Notice this. Verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. Would you say rooted? It was a wee bit weak. I know we're, I know there's loads on holidays and we're a wee bit less this morning. Let's make up for them. Rooted. Rooted. Grounded. Grounded. That you may be rooted and grounded. For example, the word here that Christ may dwell, it gives the idea not that Christ may come and touch and move on, Not that Christ may come and bless and then leave. But the idea here is that Christ may finally settle down and feel himself completely at home in the heart of the believer. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Don't want you to shout out and answer me. It's between you and God. Is Christ fully settled down in your heart? Christ at home with you. If 
Is there things in the life that maybe you don't know whether the Lord would want to be there or not? How we conduct ourselves, things we say. Is Christ at home? In your heart. Notice that Christ may dwell or finally settle down and be at home. And it gives the idea that as one believes Christ as Savior, so they also believe the same Jesus fills with the Spirit and become rooted and grounded in Him. Now, stay with me. Rooted. It speaks of an at-homeness of the Lord Jesus. It speaks of one that they are securely settled in their faith. People can debate with me or you about theology. That's okay. People do that. Difference of theology. That's okay. And people, well, talk about me. People have called me names, you know, all sorts of things. That's all right if that's what you want to do. People have disagreed. That's all right if that's what you want to do. Uh, and people say, well, I, 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 those, you know, large Pentecost or wherever it is, you know. And let me, let me put it like this. Brothers and sisters, I'm not relying on any man to tell me I'm saved. Do you hear me? And neither should you. If you have had an encounter at the cross, I mean a spirit-filled repentance at the cross blood-washed by faith in Christ. If you've been saved, it doesn't take a man to say, now you're saved. There's none. There's none can tell me that I'm not saved. Do you know why? Because this word tells me. And the experience I've had at the cross confirms it to my soul. The Spirit answers to the blood. The Spirit answers to the blood. The Spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. You see, here is the idea that you would know many Christians have insecurity and doubt in their faith. Now listen, everyone gets doubts about some part, something or other. Everyone does. And everyone gets trials and everyone gets their, their ups and their down moments. But no matter what the world says, no matter what religion says, I'm still saved because it's what this says. So are you. Be secure in your salvation. That Listen, we think we always have to be the one to do something. I believe in living right before God. You know that. I believe in a clean life. You know that. I live them to the best of my abilities every day. I believe in serving the Lord with all my heart. I believe in, in sacrificial offering and giving of myself, that is spiritual offering. I believe in trying to bring my family upright. I believe it all according to the Word of God. And I try it all, but I feel. But I feel. But he hasn't failed. 
And his love for me, his love for you, has never changed. The power of his cross still stands in the year 2017. The power of the blood that he shed. His great sacrifice of himself. He gave himself for me. And he gave himself for you, Christian. It doesn't change. But I feel like this today. I know, listen, there's times that I feel like something else or in some other way. But it's not on who we, how we feel. And it's not on who we are. It's on what he has done. It's in what Christ has done for you. It's his great love. Notice this. Rooted. To be securely settled in our faith is to be rooted in the faith. Grounded means to be deeply founded. And so being securely settled and deeply founded, the love here that, that Paul is speaking of is the love which the Holy Spirit produces and he floods the heart of the yielded saint with it. He floods the heart of the yielded saint. Do you notice that? There are those who come in and praise the Lord and live like devils the rest of the week. And I don't know whether they're saved or not. I'll leave them with God. But I'll tell you one thing. That saint who said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm failing here, but I'm living in your grace and I'm, and I'm living in the love that you have for me and I'm trusting in the blood that you shed and you're, you're walking according to the word of God. The Holy Spirit floods your heart. Not just drips into your heart, but floods your heart with the love of God. I still love you, child. Keep going. I still love you, son. Keep going on. I still love you, daughter. Just keep going. But it's been so long, Lord, and I've fallen away so short or so far from you, and, and, and it's been such a time. He says, just go on. Get up and go on. Get up and go on in God. The Christian church or the army, the soldiers of Jesus Christ, they're the only army that I know who bury their wounded. They bury their wounded. Brother, sister, if you see another one failing, don't go and rebuke them. Go over and help them. Put them on the stretcher with other friends and carry them to Christ. Like those that let the man down through the roof. Don't come to me and say, Pastor, I've seen such and such, and do you know what they did? Now, I'm not talking about them. Listen. <coughs> Go and help them. Love them. Paul says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints. You know what the word comprehend here means? We understand the word comprehend to be, um, to understand to understand, to be able to know it. But Paul uses a word here that is stronger in the original text. Notice this. To be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. 
So God's saying, look, there's a love here for you in Christ that you can't even fathom. The love that I have shown towards you, you can't even grasp and understand, but I want you to. The word here, comprehend, means more to understand. It gives the idea, you ready? To lay hold of so as to make it one's own. To lay hold of so as to make it one's own or to take possession to yourself. So Paul is saying that you may be able to comprehend or lay hold on this, to make it your own, to take possession of it to yourself. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, why that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. Does that not sound wonderful? Is that not tremendous? Does our heart not beat? Like two in a row to Emmaus when Christ opened up the scriptures and expanded all things in the scriptures concerning himself to them. And when they got there and he broke bread with them, he says, they said, did not our heart burn one with another? Why did he talk with us in the way? See, when I read this and I study this fresh, just to bring it to you, I'm in my study and I'm saying, oh, Lord, how could you love me like that? And when I'm at my weakest and when I'm at my desk and my head's just pickled, as we would say, I don't know whether I'm blew up our stuff sometimes and I'm sitting and I'm looking at the words and they're jumbled up and mixed up and I can't get my thoughts together and I'm trying to pray and this is in my mind and that one's in my mind and this thing's in my mind and this one comes that way and another one comes that way and I'm saying, Lord, help me. And I read this and he says, Oh, that you would grasp and lay hold on how much I love you. Daughter, how much he loves you. How much he loves you. And if you could lay hold this morning on how much he loves you, child of God. If you can lay hold on it, it will take you to eternity. Listen to an old Puritan called Thomas Brooks. I read this and I went, wow, the love of God is even greater now. Thomas Brooks said, the only ground of God's love is his love. The ground of God's love is only and wholly in himself. There is neither portion nor proportion in us to draw his love. There is no love nor loveliness in us that should cause a beam of his love to shine upon us. You know what Thomas Brooks is telling us this morning here? He's saying, see, whenever we look at ourselves in our depraved state of humanity, there's nothing in me. Nothing. I don't want to bring you down. I want you to see this. But there's nothing in you to cause God to love you. Nothing. Why does he love us? Well, in the words of the old Puritan, the only ground of God's love is his love. Because he chose to. 
because he chose to love you. And that love has never and will never be removed from you. Isn't that tremendous? In closing, thank you for your attention. In Romans 5, and verse 8 it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice, God commendeth his love toward us. The word commendeth is a word that needs looked at for a moment. It means, it comes from two words. Uh, the first word is suni, soon, part, pardon me, soon, and it means with, and histeme, which means to stand, with and to stand. And when you put the two words together, it's in histeme, for commendeth his love. The idea is this. God commendeth his love toward you and I, toward us, that while we were yet sinners. Now look at this. The idea here for sinners is someone or men and women who are totally devoted to sin and not free from it. Do you know before you were saved, even if you lived the cleanest of life, you're totally devoted to sin. There's nothing in us to do good. There is none that doeth good. No, not one, saith the Scriptures. There's none of us do good. That is, we do good to each other, and we're nice to each other sometimes, and we can help each other sometimes, and that's good on a human level, but there's nothing in us good enough for glory in comparison with Jesus. Devoted to sin. And if you look at us in that, there's nothing in us worthy of drawing the love of Christ. There's nothing in us worthy. Nothing. There's none that doeth good. Now stay with me. But God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were like that, God sin histomy his love with and to stand, his love came down, listen, and stood with us. Are you getting that? His love came and stood with us while you and I were devoted to sin, depraved in our humanity, lost and without God, without Christ and without hope in the world, Nothing to draw the love of God. No goodness in us to be able to reach heaven or to enter glory. God came down and stood with us. His love came. Now let me read it. But God commendeth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So I close with this. Vincent, the theologian, says, Note the present tense. God continuously establishes his, establishes 
his love, that the depth of Christ remains its most striking manifestation. Sinners, lost, hell-bound, judgment looming, eternal darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. You were the going there. I was going there. God-hearers, God-deniers, not caring, blaspheming, lawbreakers. And God says, see him and her and that one and this one and that one and the other and you brothers and sisters and me, I love them. And he came in the person of his son and he stood with us and he took our place and the manifestation of the love was the cross of Christ. What a saviour. What a saviour. John Owen says, we are never nearer Christ than when we find ourselves lost in a holy amazement at his unspeakable love. So if we could know the immeasurable love of God just in, a, in part, Paul says you'll be filled with the fullness of that love and you'll be so grateful for all that he has done for you, accomplished for you, and given to you. God bless us, word to us this morning.